Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. Church, I, I wanted to just bring a word and I, I'm going to do my best to condense down some thoughts without racing through them. We are in a season where we're talking about Kingdom Come and the idea of living from a totally different point of view, a totally different uh, perspective, a totally different Kingdom. To not live so bound by the influences around us, but to draw our strength from the King of all Kings and the Lord of all Lords. And this is a challenge. I know this is a challenge. I feel the challenge. I feel the resistance even within myself. This idea that it's so easy to bow down to pressure. It's so easy to bow down to the things around us instead of standing apart and allowing God to empower us to be the difference no matter where we are. I believe with all my heart that we are called to see God's Kingdom come and His will be done in our worlds in our realities, in the very essence of everything that we are, within our families, within our workplaces, within our communities. But it all begins with us. And I've been reading through portions of the Scripture inspired by examples that have gone before us. And I wanted to submit a word to you today that is challenging me about the idea to look forward. Can you say that with me? Look forward. One more time, look forward. It's so important to look forward because if you spend too much time looking back, you don't know where you're going. I, I, I don't know if you've ever done that before where you've been driving along and you've been just captivated because there's, 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 there's McDonald's along to the side and you just feel like nothing but a Big Mac at that moment. And your eyes turn just a little bit. And, and as you lose focus, man, as somebody breaks in front of you, you're gone. So it's important to look forward. And many people throughout the Scriptures, many people who have lived for God, who have gone on adventures with Him, have carried the heart of what it means to look forward. And I want to unpack one with you quickly this morning from the example of the life of Abraham. Man known as the father of faith, the man known as the founder of the Hebrew nation, the one who responded to the call of God to see God give birth to promises from his life. And so I want to open up with the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 8 to 10. I want you to hear these words. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents as did Isaac and Jacob. Co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Have you ever seen something that others couldn't? I remember growing up in the 90s and almost every available space would have posters in my town and you'd have posters for visiting groups and different things coming through. And they're around 1995, which is a vintage year. NBA champions were the Houston Rockets. It's a great year. There were these posters around town of this thing called the Magic Eye. 
And they, they, there were these fuzzy looking pictures that didn't really seem to make sense. They were, they were sort, of, sort of little diamonds, little black and white diamonds and shapes and weird things. And, and you'd walk past them and have no idea what this was. And what you'd find is you were walking downtown. And bear in mind, I come from a small country town with a very, 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 very unbusy main street with lots of empty buildings. There was lots of room for, for posters. And you'd see people sometimes standing in front of these posters going cross-eyed, looking at them. Because what they could see if they stared hard enough, and you can almost see the strain on them, they could see an image that was behind there. Maybe it was the image of an elephant or a giraffe or a house, or frankly, it wasn't worth the effort. It wasn't worth the effort. Now these things, the magic eye, they sold over, according to Google, and Google's never wrong, according to Google, they sold over 20 million copies of these books. Man, those posters worked. Because it inspired people to see what others couldn't. Abraham is a man who lives by faith and could see what others couldn't. Here's somebody who, even though he was obedient and followed the call of God and followed the direction of God and followed the purposes of God, and even though he got to inherit the very promises that God had for him in many ways with the land that was set apart for him and his people, as he walked around that land, he knew that land was not home, that he could see more. He could see a city that had foundations. Do you know that's a really odd thing to say? You often say that buildings have foundations. You don't often say cities have foundations. He could see a different type of city, a city that's never been seen on the earth before, a city that is built with a foundation that is immovable and unshakable. A city that Jesus echoed was a city on the hill, a lamp in a dark place built on Him who is the unshakable foundation for all. Abraham could see forward. But if you journey through his life, you get to see that Abraham had to look forward over many different points of pressure. I just want to submit to you some of the things that come up. So it says in that portion of the Scripture that by faith when Abraham, by faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out even though he did not know where he was going. See, the reality of that portion of Scripture is that Abraham did not live in the place that God was leading him into. This place and the promises that God were leading him into were not of his own volition, were not something that belonged to him. It was something that God was giving to him. But it required him to hear a call and to obey. And the word call means an invitation. It's an invitation. You know, God works through invitations. He works through invitations and opportunities. And He allows us, He loves us enough to allow us to choose how we respond. We can either receive the invitation and respond to it, or we can allow it to pass through past us. And Abraham responded. But the funny thing about Abraham's life is that if you follow it through, Abraham, on his way to the promised land that would become modern day Israel, lived in a land called Ur of the Chaldeans. Can you say that with me? Ur of the Chaldeans. Just dare you to work that into a conversation sometime this week. Have you been to Ur of the Chaldeans? I don't know a lot about Ur of the Chaldeans, but I know it wasn't the promises of God. 
And I know that in the midst of Ur of the Chaldeans, God spoke to a family and called them to leave what was to go into what will be. And He calls Abraham there, but it seems like it wasn't just Abraham travelling. See, so often our stories are bigger than ourselves. Your story is bigger than you. It's often involving the people around you, the people to your left and to your right, to your front and to your back, the people that you are choosing to journey with and what happens to you matters to them. And Abraham was on a journey, not just with himself, but with his family. And it goes on in Genesis chapter 11, verse 31, where much of Abraham's life is covered. It says this, Terah took his son, Abram. It was Abraham's name before God adjusted it. His grandson, Lot, Haran's son, and his daughter-in-law, Sarai, his son, Abram's wife. And they set out together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. Canaan was the land of promise. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. It's interesting that when you read through the life of Abraham, this man who could see a city, whose architect and builder was God, who had its own foundations, who could see the promises of God, but could see beyond into what God was doing, that the call seemed to originate with his family. For whatever reason, Terah leaves the Ur of the Chaldeans. Abraham doesn't go by himself, he goes in a group. And as they're travelling along, Terah is taking his known family with him. And it's interesting to note that he's got his grandson, Haran's son. It's interesting to note that Haran, his other son, is not with them. We don't know what happened. We don't know what loss that Terah has experienced. We don't know what loss the family have experienced. All we know is that when we pick up the account, it's them, they're done. And as they're travelling from Ur of the Chaldeans, which is a funky place, to a better place, the Promised Land, they get about halfway, about halfway. Journeys are stretching and taxing and, and take their toll. And it's important to camp along the way and rejuvenate and refresh, but they get to this place called Haran. And we don't know whether Haran, this place, this, 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 this point on Google Maps, was called that before they got there. Isn't it interesting? Imagine going to a place that's named after somebody that you loved and you lost. And think of the memories that that would spark. Or in fact, whether most scholars believe that the name of the place was changed after they got there. Imagine being so caught up with the pain of loss that wherever you went, you brought it with you. And it was alive. And for whatever reason, reason Terah, Abraham's father, stops there and his journey disappears from the pages of Scripture. Abraham goes on from there. And the challenge is for us today is that in looking forward, here's what Abraham is challenged to do. Instead of camping, he's challenged to live life called. Can I submit that to you today, right now in the year 2023 in the city of Rockingham, that if we choose to camp in places that God is leading us through, we will miss out on the promises that God has for us to come. See, we're challenged not just to camp, but to be called. Now, King David wrote in Psalm 23, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Here's the truth. We do walk through the valley of the shadow of death at times. 
Our journeys do take us to places of pain and places that can distract, diminish and disconnect us. But we're not called to camp there. Because when we camp there, and I'm speaking to myself, when we camp there, our story stops being written. We disappear from the pages that God is inviting us into. Now, there's no shame on Terra. I, I don't know what he went through for that moment, but I do know that that moment robbed him of everything that his son entered into. So we shouldn't settle with disappointment, distress, despondency. Don't camp in memories stuck on repeat, in could have, should have, would have that can't be revisited, or imaginations of a future that may never come to be. So Abraham went out even though he did not know where he was going. Right now, I think for many of us as we've coming into the end point of the year where others would say we slowed down, could I just encourage you to keep on stepping out, to keep on looking forward. And I know there can be a sense of fear and, 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 and apprehension is probably a better word I should say rather than fear, apprehension that I don't know where to go. I don't know where to turn. Abraham knew what that felt like. He'd left Ur of the Chaldeans. He'd camped out in Haran, the place that was a memory of his lost brother. And yet he responded to a call to leave that camp and go out into the promises of God. Could I encourage you, church, step out. Respond to the invitation, knowing that the invitation is part of it, but not all of it. It's what you do with it that matters. Abraham had nothing else to go on but a call, an invitation. And I know sometimes in a world where we think we need all the certainty we can get, that that can cause a sense of holding back. But can I submit to you, those who hesitate are lost. Why not step out into the call that God has for you? Don't camp, live called. Abraham's story doesn't stop there. For me, in that portion of Scripture in Hebrews 11, the other thing that's highlighted is that thought that they lived in tents. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that was going to, he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents as did his descendants, Isaac and Jacob. Co-heirs of the same promise. Do you know, in Abraham looking forward, there's that challenge to live from simply dwelling in a tent that is temporal, that is set down, packed up, that cannot be anything but something that moves and shakes with the circumstances around us, to an invitation to live life as a temple of God. See, the beautiful thing as Abraham was established in that land, it gave birth to the, the growth of God's people who set down their roots and they moved from simply living life in tents. There's nothing wrong with camping if that's your jam. If, if you love nothing more than getting a swag out under the stars, good for you. But see, in the context of Abraham living life out of tents, Whenever he would have an encounter with God, he would erect a, a, an altar there as a, a memory and a memorial to a moment with God. But if you read through the book of Genesis, you'll see that wherever Abraham had to travel with his herds and his flocks and his people, he left the altars behind. 
because you couldn't carry that with you. So you could pack up your life. But when you live life temporary, it's hard to take the eternal with you. And the invitation is that Abraham could see a better way. He could see a city whose foundations run deeper than ever before, a architect and builder who is God. What could he see? He could see what we get to enjoy now. He could see what was yet to come. He could see what Jesus had come to accomplish. He could see the words of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 to 5 that says this, As you come to Him, Jesus, a living stone, rejected by people, but chosen and honoured by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built up to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. We are called to move from tents to temples. So the tent is the temporary. It's this idea that there are no attachments. I'm not locked into anything. I can just put down and pack up. I don't need to be invested. I I, I don't need to lock down. I don't need to persevere. I, I can just move on. But when we move on, we miss out because we can't take everything with us. But here's the reality that you're invited into through relationship with Jesus for the infilling of His Spirit in your life. No longer do you need to live life temporary. You can live life eternal because the Spirit of the living God lives in you. You are a temple. You are a living, breathing stone of God that He's placing together and bringing life to. You, wherever you go, you carry the presence of God with you if you allow it, if you welcome it, if you participate, if you're part of the story, look forward. Stop looking back. Stop looking to what you can't take with you and start allowing God to work out of you everything that He wants to do now. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Don't give up on Him working in you. He is the master builder. Abraham could see an architect, a designer and a builder, a constructor who is God. He is working in your world, in your life. The book of Ephesians in chapter 2, it says that we are God's masterpiece created in Him for good works. Do you know that you are the blank canvas that He's working on? Do you know that He's the artist at play and that He wants to bring out of you everything He created in you? There is so much more. Stop living for the temporal. Press in for the eternal. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Could I invite the team to come and join me with six minutes and 20 seconds to go? Come on. Hey, well, I I shouldn't celebrate too much. You don't know how I'm going to bring it to a close. (laughs) 25 minutes, here we go. Last thought. Look forward from the powerless to the powerful. From the powerless to the powerful. Let me see how to connect this dot. Abraham responded to the call of God. Instead of camping, he lived called. Instead of being simply a tent dweller, he became the precursor to one who was a living, breathing temple. He could see more because he could see what God was building. He died in expectation of what that was. Do you know in the Gospels, the Gospel of Matthew, I think chapter 16, 
There's an account where people are walking with Jesus and Jesus had invited people to follow Him and they'd left their old world behind to journey with Him. You know that Jesus changed lives five kilometres an hour at a time? There's no account of Him getting about on a chariot. There's no account of Him, barring one occasion, even riding a donkey. He walked wherever He went and He walked a lot. And He would change lives five Ks an hour at a time. How did He change lives? It's because of the interaction, the questions and the flow. You know, it's okay to live life with questions and flow with God. Do you know that He changes you over the long haul? Too often we're looking for the instantaneous, come on, bang, right now. But He wants to journey with you. You've got to live the journey and He's willing to persevere as long as we're willing to join Him along the way. The only thing that disqualifies us from journeying with Him is when we walk away from Him. But He will never turn His back on us. He changes lives 5Ks an hour at a time. And as He's walking 5Ks an hour with His disciples who are keeping up and they're able to keep up. That's the amazing thing. You can keep up with Jesus. He is not going to run ahead of you. He will walk with you. As Abraham could look ahead and walk throughout the land of promise, Jesus wants to walk with you into His promises for you. And they're walking with Jesus and they're talking. And a question comes up about what people are saying about Jesus. And we'll get to that in a moment, about who they're saying He is and what He's come to do. They're saying all this and they're saying all that and they're saying this. But Jesus stops the conversation, turns to Peter, whose name was Simon. And Simon means reed. Reed is like a, a river plant that flows with the wind, can react to the environment, is bent down when pressure comes. But see, Jesus had changed His name to Peter, which means rock. See, Simon was called to no longer live life bowed by the world around him, but to live life immovable in the grace that God had given him. Not as a weapon, but as somebody unable to be affected by the world around him. He lived above it. He was called to live above it. And Jesus says to Peter, but who do you say I am? I know what other people say I am, but who do you say I am? Do you know that that's the most important question any of us could ever answer? Who do you say Jesus is? And Peter responds with, you are the Messiah, the Saviour, the one that we've all been waiting for. You are the promise embodied. You are the one worth giving my life to. You are everything. And Jesus says on this, on this, this confession, this confession of faith, this reality that Jesus is the one and the only one we're following, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, that this is where life is found, that this is the thing that everybody's been looking forward to, that we get to live out now. Abraham died before he'd seen it, but he could see a city who had, that had foundations. He could see a life lived and built on the one God Himself in human flesh coming to be with us, to save us, to cause us to live life, not so low, but above. And He could see it. Peter saw it. You are the one, you're the one. And Jesus said, on this confession, on this reality, on this truth, on the fact that this, I will build my church. You know what God's building? 
You know what Abraham could see? The architect and the builder doing is building the church. And can I just submit to you, the church is not a building. We are very blessed with this building. I'm very honoured for all those that have gone before us and sacrificed and sowed vision to see this place established. But we are so much more than a building. We are a people. And of all the things Jesus could have said that He came to build, to use that word church was one that was for many very offensive. See, in the culture of their day, they already had religious gatherings called synagogues that people would meet at weekly to learn from the Torah, the Old Testament, and learn how to live a life that honoured God in the law. And Jesus could have easily said, I've come to build my synagogue and people would have understood what He meant. I was something like that, but with Jesus' flavour attached. But what He did instead is He hijacked a word that wasn't even one used for faith environments. It was one that was used by conquering armies. It's a word that in Greek, some people say ecclesia or ecclesia. This word that we translate church and we so often say, I'm going to church as if I'm going to a meeting. No, 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 that word ecclesia, ecclesia, here's what it means. A people called out. A people called out from death to life. Called out from what? From darkness to light. A people called out. And the reason why it was such a loaded term is that when Rome would come in and conquer a region, Rome would never destroy the the hospitals or the schools or the other things that invading armies would do inconveniently. No, Rome would come in and just wipe out the opposite army, but leave everything else intact because they wanted to extend their kingdom through Pax Romana, through the peace of Rome. But what they would do is once they overcame an area, they would send in their people. Come on, go in. Retired generals and soldiers and people who fought for this portion of land will give you land and you would go in and you would be the ecclesia. You would be those representing Rome in a different part of the world and you had a purpose. Here was your purpose. Bring Rome to bear there. Make there just like Rome, no matter how far away it is. So the ecclesia, they were an occupying force, but they wouldn't use their fists or their swords. They would use their way of life. They'd use the culture that they brought. They would use the influence that they had and they would change and they were so successful at it. They would revolutionise whole cities and be just like Rome. And so when Jesus has the acknowledgement that all faith is built on knowing who He is, He says, on this I will build my church. Church, can I say this? A church is a people a people sold out and willing to look beyond, a people willing not to camp, but to live called, a people that live not like the life is temporary, but there is something eternal to grab hold of. Lord, the Lord is calling us to be a people that go so far beyond the here and now that we can see that the way that we are, the way that we live, the way that we interact, the way that we show up is even changing the regions around us because of the presence that we have to bear. You are the transformation that God wants to bring into your world because you're a living stone fit together by His presence. Don't think so low of yourself that you miss out on all that He wants to do. Look forward in Jesus' Name. As I were walking, 
before they got to that point about the church. They're asking all these questions. Jesus said, said, who do do men, who do others say that I, the Son of Man, am? Jesus knew who He was even if others didn't. I love that. I love that idea that you can live your life with such a strong, firm conviction on who you're called to be, no matter whether others recognise it or not. You can be you no matter what. Who do men say that I am? The Son of Man am. Their answer associated Jesus with three great voices of salvation history. They said, some people are saying you're John the Baptist, which is hilarious because John the Baptist was Jesus's cousin and they'd crisscrossed their lives. Why were they saying John the Baptist? Well, see, John came to usher in a new way. His message was a new way that there is now no separation between you and God that all you need to do is repent and come into relationship with Him and you can be as close to God as anybody else. He did this thing called water baptism, which only the priests would do before they served God. They didn't call it water baptism like we do. They call it ceremonial washing. They would wash themselves before serving God and then wash themselves after. And only the priests were allowed. And John comes declaring a message, repent, because there's a way in for you. You can be cleansed. You don't have to go to another human being to be right with God. Your salvation is dependent on nobody else but you and relationship with Jesus. John came as a forebearer of a new way. And they said, you're John the Baptist. Yeah, why do they say that? Because Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. John came declaring the way, Jesus is that way. What else did people say that Jesus is? They said that Jesus is Jeremiah, the prophet come back. Well, Jeremiah had lived hundreds and hundreds of years before. He'd lived during a great time of turmoil in God's people. He'd been willing to stand against the wind and prophesy reformation, reform and hope. He came to prophesy that there not only was a way, but there was life to be lived. There was truth to grab hold of. And that truth could be an anchor to build your world. Jesus is the truth. Finally, they said, oh, you're Elijah. Elijah, come back to us. Elijah was the prophet of power and miracles, but he was the prophet who escaped death. He's caught up to heaven in a whirlwind. See, Jesus is the life that only through Jesus We escape the decay and the destruction of death. We enter into the newness of life. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Who do you say Jesus is? Church, before we move forward into anything else, I just wanna submit to you, who do you say Jesus is? There is no more important question you can ask for yourself. And I know many of you have followed Jesus for a long period of time, but I wanna ask that question afresh because you can only answer that question by the way that you journey with Him. Don't camp, live cold. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.